Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the fog, totally not smog, to my Victorian London, Mr. Robert Lundgren. Hello, hello, Gabda. Is, is, is that what we're doing now? We're just doing bad British accents? Okay. I suppose. Can I, can I channel Dick Van Dyke and do a real, like, a bad impression of a bad impression? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go a long way like, if you like, get a Like the inception of bad impressions. If I do an impression of, like, Jim Carrey doing an impression of Dick Van Dyke, it would be me and me and me. That, I think, would put us... No, I'd like to see Jim Jim Carrey doing an impression of Jerry Lewis doing an impression there of Dick we, Van Dyke. That, that's the fourth one. That's, that's yeah. That's the what, what, what's right the bottom there. layer called? <laughs> <laughs> As always, we want to get this episode started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on and the party swinging. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I'm grappling right now with whether or not I should show the 12 year old Austin Powers. <sighs> The first one, no, right? no, no. The first See, one I think you, you, is fine because it is a spy parody, and it's actually brilliant. If, if, if you know your danger man and your prisoner and stuff, but it's got a fair amount of dick yeah, jokes. Dude, he's heard worse. It, the the sequels kind of kind of just are dumb and and raunchy for their own sake. But the first one is actually a spy parody. Now he probably won't get it because it's uh, yeah. We need to watch a couple old Bond films first. But man, let me tell you. Some of those uh, first-generation Bond films. Not mm, no, and you need to watch Danger Man and The Prisoner. And you've never seen The Prisoner, and I don't know what's wrong with you. That show's brilliant. <sighs> I should watch I it again. I should make my daughter watch it with me and watch her go insane. It would be great. Because that show is, uh, what would you call it in the modern day? Slow? Very, very slow? But with a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, the The Prisoner is a, if you've never heard of it, it's brilliant. It's an old show about a spy who uh, walks into his office and resigns one day for no reason that they ever bother to tell you. And he goes home to pack up and flee the country and he gets gassed in his apartment and he wakes up still in his apartment. But now his apartment is somewhere else. It's in the village and uh, he is prisoner and they keep trying to they the people there just keep asking him why he resigned and the whole show is him playing mind games with people and it's so fun speaking of which Jonathan ooh i like this i firmly believe in this one happy national carbonated beverage with caffeine day coke pepsi the crud you get out of a mm. uh, a vending machine for 25 to 50 cents at the local grocery store whatever your poison is Barks, Barks has bite. That bites caffeine. It is your day, so kick one back and enjoy. National Carbonated Beverage <sighs> with Caffeine stuff. Day. That's the good stuff right there. Just had a long sip of my preferred carbonated beverage with caffeine. That would be the Diet Cola. Oh, I know. It's so bad for me, too. So bad for me. Yeah, I'm drinking decaf coffee. My, I, I do not know about you. Uh, we had, like, some sort of up here in the PNW, we had, like, a... Uh, uh, the stale air thing. And I, I don't know if I got sick or it was the stale air, but Oh man, if we had, re- if we were supposed to record this episode, 
last Monday, you would be talking to Gina right now because my voice was just gone. You sound all right. Yeah, I do. I I, I got a little tickle, and you're gonna. I, I'm gonna try to edit them out, but there might be some coffee sips you might catch because uh, yeah, I need to need to keep the old pipes lubricated. But I'm I'm pretty good. Well, then, just to to save your voice, should we jump on into the show? You know, I was listening to some old shows the other day, and I would say something snappy and witty, probably Super Mario Brothers related, but it just didn't come out. I don't know what's wrong with me anymore, Jonathan. Am I getting old? Is my brain getting tired? I used to be so snappy. I listened to the AMA. You're a broken man. You're basically, (laughs) this is the mental equivalent of breaking a hip. (laughs) But I love you, old man. (laughs) Love you, old man. Let's get on with the podcast. I don't even know what's happening right now, which means it's time to turn our attention to the actual task at hand. That's my old man voice, which is also the turtle from NeverEnding Story. Oh, it it sounded like something taking an extended dump. We are allergic to God, I wish you were here and I could meet your mic. It is, of course, time for our off-the-shelf segment this is the segment where we talk to you about all the wonderful things that we've had off the shelf and onto our tables and most importantly except for the case of certain movies uh into our hearts oh yeah yeah you and me both brother you and me both i i got a doozy on my list i couldn't even finish it all right well i wanted to i wanted to in that case should we start out with movies yes yes okay so fresh off the watching jean-claude van damme street fighter oh i'm still trying to wipe that that taste out of my mouth Dude, that thing is like freaking gone with the wind compared to Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li because, oh my god, I I have seen some bad movies, Jonathan. I have seen some, I've seen death. <laughs> On purpose even. Yeah, I like bad movies, but you know what? You know what this movie's problem is? It makes the cardinal sin. It's really boring. You know? Oh. Like, yeah, it's just you're, you're watching it and it's just like, it's just like, oh. You know what is really funny about that movie? Much like the original Street Fighter movie, there is a lot of, hey, it's that guy in that movie, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like the cast is just full of, oh, hey, hey, isn't that um, Damien Dark from Arrow or whatever that actor's <laughs> name is? Neil, and, uh, uh, Neil something or other. Chun Li is played by the, uh, the, hey, it's that girl from uh, Smallville. And then I was trying to figure out where I've seen, she has a mentor, and I forget who's the main guy from the original Mortal Kombat. The guy who does the wheelhouse kick, and he fights Reptile. Uh, anyway, it's that actor. Christopher Lambert? <laughs> no, no, no. That was Raiden. I, I'm talking about, um, oh, damn. Oh, there you go. Robin Shaw. That's him. Yeah, yeah. He was in the original Mortal Kombat as uh, Liu Kang. Liu oh, Kang. Liu How Kang? can I forget okay. Liu Kang? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, Liu Kang. He plays Jen. Chris Klein plays Charlie Nash, you know, like the Blanca from the first movie, I guess. Yeah, he plays he plays Charlie in that. And uh, yeah, Chris Klein trying to play cocky cop didn't work out so well. Just saying, just saying. But oh, man, like, yeah, it's just full of that guy. Michael Clark Duncan's in it as Balrog. Yeah. And then the actor that played uh, uh, Bison was uh, uh, Neil Mc. Donna Hugh? Yeah, uh, that Neil, Neil McDonough. That's the yeah. That's the guy from uh, the Damien Dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's done a ton of stuff. And, and but oh man, it's just so so boring. Like like just nothing happens in it. We're a positive podcast, but I don't know if anybody liked it. Please let me know. 
between insomnia one night and having an entire weekend day where it was just nothing but Amelia and I hanging out and doing stuff around the house and cleaning, uh, I actually managed to watch quite a bit of stuff. I noticed. I kind of went down a Netflix rabbit hole mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with time travel stuff. So um, I'll start with two of them. I watched uh, Time Trap. It's a s- series or a movie? or No, it's a movie. It was very low budget, probably never in a theater, you know, straight to video kind of thing. And it's got a decent premise, but it's so obvious that the guy that made it doesn't know how to um, how to you know, basically edit down an experience into just its core core uh, motivations. So there's all this excess exposition and it goes on forever. And what what what's sad about it is the, the core idea is actually very interesting. It's a, a neat take on time travel. And there's some genuinely clever uh, moments in it. But like I said, unfortunately, it just gets caught up in itself. It's it's I can't call it a good movie. I can call it a really good idea that, that deserved a better writer. Could have been saved in editing like Star Wars was or is it potentially? But it would have taken some pre at like a pretty severe edit. But I like I'll time say travel. this. I'd be curious I'll give it a to go. hear no, no, your no, no, thoughts no. on it. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it a go. I like time travel. I'll give it a go. If you say it's interesting take on time travel, that's that's enough. I'll, I'll yeah, it'll it's a, a, it's a different you. angle than you, you would tend to expect. All right, all right. But again, I, I can't call it a good movie, but I can call it an interesting idea. Okay. I like interesting ideas. And then I watched a movie that came out a couple years ago called The Discovery, and this is about uh, Robert Redford discovers uh, that there is, in fact, an afterlife. Oh, yeah, I heard about that movie. people start taking themselves out all over the place. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I, Jason Segal just doesn't belong in that movie. You know what I mean? Mm, never seen it, so can't comment. He's just—it's an awkward casting situation. Again, an interesting idea. Wait, Jason Segal, the guy from uh, How, How I Met, I Met Your, Your Mother? Mother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's a good com- comedy actor, but yeah, that's kind of a weird conceptual drama. He's a great comedy actor. That's weird because usually comedy people actually aren't bad at drama because this is the actually kind of harder. drama that works for him. Mm. I think he could be good at drama. But, he, you know, like his character is single, no children, anything like that. And, you know, what, what makes him endearing is, is his ability to be kind of loving. And his character is rather callous. Mm, yeah. And so it, it's like he's working against his natural tropes. Not, not in a typecasting way. It's just his natural, what he naturally exudes, what makes him charming. Yeah, okay. And, okay. and so it's just bad casting. It's not bad acting. It's bad casting. Intriguing. All right. Right. It's worth a watch. It's an interesting idea. It 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 takes it, in it into some neat places. There's some really beautiful visuals. It's it's quite nicely shot. Well, speaking of interesting ideas, uh, we rented uh, Maleficent, which I don't know why we did because Disney Plus will be here in two days. But whatever. <laughs> woo, Mandalorian! Woo! That's tomorrow, right? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. That's tomorrow, right? Oh, yeah. Today's Monday. Sorry. Sorry. The kids were off school a lot this weekend. It's all sort of blurred together. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we watched Maleficent. And uh, again, I don't think I'd call it a good movie, but I, I, I'm i a sucker for fantasy. I play Dungeons and Dragons, Jonathan. I'm a sucker for fantasy. And uh, it, it was it had a good fantasy. It's about, you know, a kingdom with a cool castle, kind of fairy tale kingdom. And, it, you know, it's Sleeping Beauty from Maleficent's point of view. And then Maleficent is kind of nominally the ruler protector. <laughs> whatever of like a, a fairy forest more swamp thing next door and yeah you know like i liked i liked the world building it was interesting i liked a lot of the bits and pieces of it but i it didn't really come together to make a great film i don't think mm, but for mm-hmm. when disney plus comes out and your kids want to watch something it's not a bad thing to watch with your kids it's not 
it's not bad. It's just not a great movie, but it's a good kids movie. Your kids will get a kick out of it. The effects are pretty. And, and you know, Angelina Jolie is just, you know, amazing because she's Angelina Jolie. There's nothing there's nothing she's wrong. Great with her. actress. There, yeah. I don't know that she always chooses the greatest roles, but she's a good actress. She she plays a sort of anti-heroic Maleficent fairly well. Because, yeah, Maleficent is not the bad guy in that movie. She is a not a good guy either. Well, no, she's the good guy. She's just makes some poor choices in the beginning of the movie because she gets really, really pissed off for a very valid reason. Antihero. It's the antihero arc. I had another couple movies that I watched. Uh, again, focusing on that uh, the time travel theme. I think it was just kind of following Netflix's suggestions at that point. <laughs> and I watched uh, a, a, a movie I'm quite torn on, and it was called In the Shadow of the Moon. Okay. It, go watch the trailer. The trailer tells you a fair amount of what you need to know. I don't want to say too much because it would ruin it. I will say this. It's a fairly standard approach to time travel with some excellent style and some good performances that's hampered by a very pedestrian script. Also worth a watch and worth a discussion, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't put, m- throw money at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Any more time travel movies? Uh, kind of. Uh, then I watched something called Other Life, and mm-hmm. it's about these people that are. It's an Australian mil- film. Very, very pretty to look at. What a, a, a beautiful film. Uh, in it, they've invented this drug that when it hits the system, it convinces the brain that it's had a memory, and so seconds last days in in inside the brain. Okay. And. Wow, has it got a couple of doozy moments in it where it's just intense. I highly recommend watching it. It's surreal, uh, very up the inception road in terms of the the you know mind job that you're going to get. Uh, absolutely beautifully shot, a little slow at times, but definitely worth a watch. Jesus, Jonathan, like you've given me four movies that I'm intrigued by. And I, 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 I rented Cowboy Bebop from the library. I got to watch, too. I, I don't have time for all this. And I still haven't finished Carnival Row. And I still haven't watched The Boys. Get on it, man. I, well, I can't help I, you with this. I can't help well, you with this. Well, I only got so much time with the wife. And she likes that stuff, too. I can't watch everything. All right. So uh, Halloween happened, as it do. And so I got my, I got my horror movie fix in. Uh, actually, a couple of them. I made Gina, because I made Gina watch Sleepwalkers, which, oh, oh Sleepwalkers. It's so good. It's not good, but it's so good. Uh, but we watched, uh, at your suggestion, actually, uh, 30 Days a Night, uh, Halloween evening. Oh, did you have fun with it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I've read the comic. I want to say I have. I have. It's great. Highly recommend that graphic novel. So good. I, I don't know which one's better. I think the graphic novel. But this is a very good, very, very good adaptation. Yeah, I think the only failing of that movie is that... It doesn't really do a great job of showing time pass, and I get why, you know, but they stay holed up in, in several places around town for, like, days, and it just doesn't seem like days. And given, I mean, the, the way you make it, it seem it like days to, is you'd have to have, to have time like A little on. montage or something just to show that they're stuck there and bored. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, and, you know, it's kind of not the focus of it because they'd, they'd have to have, like, a lot of food and blah, 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 but – yeah, yeah, but that was like my only complaint. Like, I, I actually, I thought it, yeah, I thought it was good. It was nice seeing, van, uh, you know, that was from the period of time when sparkle vampires were a thing, and so it was nice seeing just really gross vampires. 
And another thing that uh, I, I hadn't read the comic in a long time, or maybe I only half read it, but uh, my buddy was watching it with us, and he said that in in the comic they make it much more explicit that the cold is screwing with the vampires to an extent. Because, uh, you know, it's like I thought vampires could, like, smell and they had really good eyesight and a whole bunch of other stuff. And he was like, yeah, in, in the comic, they sort of imply that the cold is screwing that up a little bit. So a lot of their powers are weaker because, you know, it's freaking Sub-Zero and they're walking around and, like, wearing nothing. Yeah, yeah. The, the comic does do a better job of explaining that. But I, I, I don't necessarily think it was needed for the movie. Yeah. Because they don't have any context to know that the vampires are slower than normal because they've never seen one before. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I, yeah. I think it's a great horror film. Yeah, yeah. And just gross vampires. And the vampires do the whammy a couple times, which was fun to watch. Like a couple of very obviously whammy people. And I love vampire whammy. So, yeah, it was good times. It was good times. I really enjoyed it. Well, continuing my next Netflix binge over the last two weeks, uh, I watched I Am Mother. I am super duper intrigued by that movie. I still haven't watched it, but I know a lot about it. I watched the I thought I knew everything I needed to know going into it. What a pleasant surprise. What a pleasant surprise. I thoroughly recommend that movie. It is, it's so much more than you think it is. And I think that this is one of those moments where the marketing doesn't do it justice because there is, there is a, there's some really tough stuff going on in there. The questions that it asks, the, basically the way it handles its subject matter. And I'm trying, I'm desperately trying to avoid any kind of spoiler here because you deserve to watch it from beginning to end, not knowing anything about it. I, I highly recommend it. Nice. I, I was so pleasantly surprised by that film and it was done on such a shoestring budget. And I did not realize how, just how much of it is physical either. The, the, a, a good chunk of the movie is actually all physical effects. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched a thing somewhere where yeah, they made the 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 robot is is a suit, and there's very 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 few moments where they they did a CG. But you can't suit. tell. You can't. Yeah, tell. yeah, yeah. The only reason I know about some of them is because uh, the director went on Corridor Crew. Yeah, that's their, what I saw. That's VFX what I saw. Artist reacts, and he shows off some of the shots that were not the physical suit, and even knowing it's CG, I could not see the CG. Well, it helped because, uh, yeah, I remember the Corridor Crew episode on it. Uh, a lot of the shots, they did actually film it with the suit there. And, uh, and you know, as they say in the Corridor Crew, you know, just having that lighting reference there is golden, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and in several cases, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, they had they had something there or they had like the, the you know, they'd have like a shot of the, the suit on set that day or whatever so they can get all the lighting right. I, I love the shot where the, the guy who played the, the robot oh, just did it in his underpants. Not wearing his shirt and he goes running down the hallway. Yeah, in his underpants. It was great. Yeah, that was yeah. hysterical. Go go watch I Am Mother. Then go watch the Corridor Crew uh, VFX artist react with the director from I Am Mother on there. And that's that's a heck of a combo right there. That's a good afternoon. All right. So, again, at your recommendation, uh, I finally got around to watching Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. You talked about it ages ago. Yeah, well, yeah we, we actually saw that in the movie theaters, which is very rare for us. Yeah, yeah, and I remember you said it was it was it was pleasantly surprising, and and I don't know why it came up. Oh, it was because the uh, normal Jumanji was on something that we were subscribed to. Yeah, and uh, and we watched it, and then Awen really liked it, and she's like, "Did they make another one?" And and we'd seen Zathura, and she's like, "Yeah," and I said, "Yeah," but there was another one that they made way later, and she's like, "I want to see it," and I'm like, "Okay." And uh, yeah, yeah, what a pleasant surprise! Like, right? It was actually surprisingly okay. Did it need to exist? I'm going to go with no. It's kind of a pointless sequel. And it really reeks that it started out as like another movie entirely. 
And then like Universal got their hands on it. It's like, why don't we just make it the Jumanji? Because it's kind of like Jumanji with video games. And and it's like, eh. but it works. But it works. Yeah. And they, they and the, do a nice tie into the original, too. And The Rock. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, who knew that, he had those comic chops? Right. Well, I, he's I mean, I knew he could be funny, but not like that. Yeah, he did. Because um, if you don't know what Jumanji I guess two or three. I, it, I guess it depends if he counts the third as a sequel or not. It, it's about like the Jumanji board game turns itself into a video game console because uh, like this kid gets it and it's like, who wants to play a board game anymore? So it makes itself into a video game console to like lure more people in. So when you get lured into the game, you, you know, you get an avatar and the avatar are very, very stereotypical, uh, <laughs> very, very stereotypical characters from video games, which was amusing. And The Rock plays the avatar, or whatever he plays, is Dr. Smolder Bravestone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, you could like touch your little name badge and it shows like all your strengths and weaknesses. And there's a reoccurring gag that one of his, uh, one of Bravestone's <laughs> powers is a uh, smoldering glance. And uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. But, um, but yeah, so the the kid that gets beamed into the video game, he's like the shy, awkward nerd, and The Rock did it. No, he did and, a great job in it. Yeah, I was I was surprised, you know, and and it reminded me on Twitter he he's talked a couple times about saying that you know he has anxiety and and you know imposter syndrome sometimes, you know, and it's like the goddamn Rock talks about that. The goddamn Rock, you know. Like if if he can have mental health issues, anybody can. And it, you know, I remember I I was having some stuff when he said that. I, I reading reading that, I'm like, dude, man, if if that hunky beast of a man can feel that way sometimes, like I don't feel bad about it. I'm not a hunky beast of a man. And uh, yeah, you know, like uh, it just kind of reminded me of that. That you know, no, like that guy, that guy's had his own struggles, and he actually like tapped into that. And I was like, wow, wow, for a you know a 50 year old man who probably takes a lot of steroids, like you know, maybe maybe we have more in common than you'd think. I, th- I thought he was great in the movie. I thought that movie was surprisingly charming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Dance Fighting. Dance Fighting was great. I got that song stuck in my head for days. Highly recommend. I don't, if it's streaming somewhere or whatever, watch it. Good times if you have kids. I watched another uh, um, smaller film called The Endless. Okay. It's about these two guys that go back to uh, the this camp that they grew up in. And, uh, it's kind of like a UFO death cult sort of thing. (laughs) Okay. And so they go back to visit after they've been living in the regular world and they realize there's a lot more going on than, than just UFO death cult stuff. There's some legitimacy to, to what's there. And man, it is like, um, I, I, I haven't figured out whether it's more Kubrick or Terry Gilliam, but it is a twist of a movie. Hmm. It messes with you in interesting ways. I, I would suggest watching it if you like that kind of film. If you like Terry Gilliam movies uh, or Stanley Kubrick movies, uh, then watch The Endless. I, I enjoyed it. But just know what you're getting into. Know that th- this is not, it's, it's not, there's a build to it. It's a slower build. And it seems like it's going nowhere, but it is. And then I, I mainline Dark Season 1, which is this German show. And it's it's a little off-putting at first because they've dubbed it mm, instead okay. of putting subtitles, which is the only reason I could watch it because I was cruising around the house doing stuff. So I'm glad that they dubbed it. But it's a little off-putting at first because every time you look at the screen, no, you know, their lips are moving, but kind of not. Words, <laughs> you know, it, it's a time travel movie and it's got or a time travel show, excuse me. And it's got some twists and turns and is constantly uh surprising you 
And then the kids and I watched Small Soldiers. Was that DreamWorks' first film? It was one it's of the early one ones. one of their first films. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's slow. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. is. Well, well, it's it's Gremlins with action figures. Like, that's... Yeah. Shout yeah. out to downtown Orange, California. I used to live a block away from where they shot a big chunk of it, and I, I, it was kind of taking me back. Hmm. Late 90s California. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in that area. Yeah, you know downtown Orange, the the circle? Yeah, I know the Orange Circle. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, prominently displayed in the movie several times. It's also where they film that thing you do. Indeed they did. Indeed they did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bring us home on movies and TV, Robert. As you know, because I've talked about it the last two or three episodes, I have been watching good, bad flicks on the YouTube, and there are so I still have not watched every episode of it, and they're only 10 minutes long. I keep finding new ones, which is amazing. And randomly, my wife and I were watching it because Gina gets a kick out of that show, too, which is uh, surprising. I've, I, it only took me, what are we on, like 13 years of marriage? I don't even remember anymore. A long, a long time. It's been a while. Uh, but I'm finally rub- rubbing off on her. She, she kind of likes watching these, these weird old movies because she doesn't like watching horror movies, but watching sort of a synopsis of bad horror movies she finds enjoyable. And on one random episode, a movie popped up titled BMX Bandits. A 1980, I think, three film out of Australia. And the only reason it is notable, because one of the three stars is a 15-year-old Nicole Kidman in one of her first acting roles, certainly her first film. I think she'd done a couple of TV movies before that, if I'm reading her IMDb correctly. The guy talked about it on his show. He said he really liked it. Um, and uh, and Gina saw that, and she's like, I I want to see that. I want to actually watch that. And I I was like intrigued, but you know what? My wife wanted to watch a good, bad flick inside my brain. I was like, yes, good, good. Join us, Gina. Join us in the bad films. (laughs) And so we did. And uh, it's a kid's film. And uh, the director apparently at some point said that he wanted to make a film that looked like a film for adults, but was actually a kid's film because he thought kids would get a kick out of like watching something air quotes mature, but it is not mature. Like the villains in it are cartoonishly inept. Mm -hmm. So it is a kid's film. And I got to say it was surprisingly good. And there is like a BMX bike versus like muscle car chase in it. That's like freaking bullet, man. It goes on for like 30 minutes and it's kind of awesome the whole way through. I was very surprised. Like there was this point in the car chase where I was like, this has to be the end of the car chase. This has to be the end. It's been going on for a while. And now it goes on like into a rock quarry and stuff. I'm like, geez. And and at no point was I sitting there going like, this is going on too long. I was watching like all the gags they do with the, the BMX bike chase is, uh, is, is pretty amusing. And, and here's the fun part. When you find out that uh, Nicole Kidman's stunt double was just an 18-year-old boy in a wig. It's really, really <laughs> obvious when that happens on screen. And uh, yeah, it's quite fun. And the film is like kind of progressive for its time because apparently the director, it was originally about these two guys who were friends and then there was like, you know, this girl that they were sort of like pining over. But when they cast Nicole Kidman and like the two guys got along really well with her and like like they were interesting together, he expanded her role, you know? So like she's in the whole movie because of that, you know? So like all of the shenanigans they, they get up to, like she's there too. And, you know, doing stuff like, like I mentioned the car chase, you know? You know, it's two dudes and this girl 
out running bad guys during a bike car chase for like 30 minutes and there's no you know th- she's just doing stunts and doing stuff because it's like yeah nicole kidman totally bmx bandit too i never realized how tall nicole kidman was but she's oh yeah she's giant she's very tall because she actually rides the bike quite a few times and she looks cartoonishly like huge on it these long legs just like pumping i'm like wow wow she is way too large for that bike but then again, her 18-year-old stunt double is also way too large for that bike, so what do I know? But yeah, it was a, it was a surprisingly good bad flick. I will, I will give it credit where credit is due. I had a good time. Anyone had a good time. It, it was a, a slick production. And, and it's filmed entirely in like Sydney, Australia, and that place is gorgeous. And Yeah, Sydney's a beautiful city. And it's shot very well. Like that, that was also the surprising thing because it's kind of a dumb kids movie and there's like some really pretty well-framed shots in it. I'm like, what the heck is going on? This doesn't make any sense. The whole movie is bizarre, but, but I liked it. And it, I, found out it, I, I found out I didn't need to rent it from the library because it's streaming on Amazon Prime, so you need to watch it with your kids. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, movies and television. Shall we jump uh, over to, to video games? Sure, I'll go first. Uh, I've been playing Dragon Quest Builders 2 and Overwatch a little bit. Overwatch has entered back into the rotation. Yeah, Overwatch too. Uh, getting a lot of a lot of chat lately. Yeah, that, that's pretty much why. <laughs> I, I was also, by it. the way, if you haven't watched it yet, the Diablo Four trailer is jaw droppingly good and incredibly gory and not safe for work. So no, not even remotely. So gory, like like uh, I played Diablo a little bit with my with my eldest because you know that I guy's mean, making a skin wall. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like i don't like she watched that preview with us i'm like i don't think i should be letting you watch this preview hey owen it's a little uh it's a little graphic <laughs> but yeah they they said they're like we're going back to our horror roots and i'm like yeah you are <laughs> not not a joke not a no. joke no no yeah i i've been playing them a little bit you know i'm still kind of working on ravenloft we need to record that actually or i'm working on it i'm working on it the thing I wanted to do, we can't, Jonathan. So now I got to come up with a new plan. So. That's all right. That's all right. That's right. All right. So, so tell me about your games. Uh, I've been playing uh, a lot of Red Dead Redemption Two on PC. The PC version just came out. Well, only just the last couple of days because the first three days were spent watching it not being able to launch because it's been a rocky launch. <laughs> but that's all right. Everything seems to be patched now. Um, Word to the wise, if you're picking it up, make sure your graphics card drivers are on their latest version. That makes a huge difference. Having worked tech support in a video game thing, that is number one thing we go to. Yes, but unfortunately, from the error messages that you get from the launcher, you'd never know it. Yeah, yeah, some launchers are really bad about that, I've oh, noticed. Oh, this one's a bad one. Yeah. Positive podcast, Robert. Uh, the depth of things that you can alter in that game from a graphics perspective to try and eke out a little bit of additional performance is amazing. Uh, you have control over every single effect in the game almost hmm. to a ridiculous amount. Go take a look on YouTube and watch a video of the of the settings. It's just if you're at all interested in PC graphics, it's a it's a tour de force on on how to basically alter the game in very tiny increments to to squeeze a little more performance out been playing uh call of duty modern warfare is that the new one that is the new one and i had it planned on not getting it i had planned on skipping it because i've not been impressed with the direction of call of duty recently and i started seeing all these reviews talking about how it does things differently and man i'm glad i went for it i was so pleasantly surprised by the single player campaign 
it is intelligent. It is well put together, and uh, the levels themselves are are no longer the parade of big cinematic Michael Bay moments. Instead, <laughs> this is a, a a game that forces you to think very very hard. It takes a lot of the questions that would have come out of a conflict like Afghanistan in the eighties, uh, and pushes them to the forefront and makes you think about them. If you remember the no Russian level from Modern Warfare 2, I always found that to be distasteful, uh, especially the the ultimate thing that it does to, to make itself not relevant to me is that it presents you this giant question of do I open fire on civilians or not, right? Right. But ultimately, that, that decision doesn't matter because the same thing happens at the end of the level regardless of what decision you make. There's no impact. So it instead, just to me, came off as a gratuitous you know, basically festival of, of how far could we push it. I didn't find it to be interesting at all uh, from an adult perspective. This game presents you with some very familiar conundrums like that, but from a perspective where they have weight and meaning, especially given a lot of current events. I was shocked as to how good of a game it was and how adult it was. It, it does not, it, it's not gory for the sake of gore. It's not, you know, trying to be a Michael Bay movie. Instead, it's trying to be an adult story. And I really enjoyed it. I see. I know you played something that's not on your list. Oh, yes. Uh, shoot. I totally forgot to put it on. I, I played a little bit of Planet Zoo. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I am say. enjoying it. I am really enjoying it. It's just, it's super deep. I, I really need to spend some time getting to know it. Yeah, I've been watching people play it. And, and all the fiddliness with getting the uh, the habitats just so is impressive and it does the power thing from uh i was watching someone play one of the uh, the, the career mode levels and you have to actually worry about power a la um jurassic park evolution yeah no it's interesting i i like it i like it so far it's jurassic park evolution is a really good set of training wheels to get you into the frame of mind of this game this game gives you depth yeah well it, it does two things really good like it's it, frontier made both games that's why we keep bringing it up like you can definitely tell that Jurassic Park Evolution was their stab at some things they wanted to try out with the the genre, you know? It feels like a test bed, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, which is not to say it's a bad game. No, no, it's not a bad game at all. And so what they did was they took the good parts of Jurassic Park Evolution, which was actually pretty much all of it, except the dinosaurs. And then they took, like, Zoo Tycoon and they mashed... The, oh, and then they took the the building creation tools from planet coaster and they just mashed all three of those things together in in their entirety <laughs> you know like it's not just the little bits and like they had a baby and merged it's like no they 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 had like these three super awesome pies that they mashed together into a giga pie the pie of giganess you know <laughs> the pie so large that it could pull things from orbit with its gravity and I, I, it's fascinating to watch you know and i've been watching people play the career mode which is like you said very deep and, you know, you like your animals can have babies and then you could like sell the babies because that's not creepy at all. Or, you know, you can just go into sandbox mode and just make things look pretty. And I've certainly seen people do that, too, that making things look pretty. And uh, my favorite guy who plays it uh, or one of my favorite guys, his name's Mass Bandit. He decided to make a Pacific Northwest Zoo. And he said he really liked uh, the zoo here in Portland. And I was like, oh, I, I like that zoo, too. Aye. What I really like about this game more than anything else is. I like zoos, but as I've become an adult and I've realized that animals have a lot more going on than you'd think when you were a kid, yeah, zoos have become a very complicated problem for me. On the one hand, you know, I see all their conservation efforts and that goes a long way with me. 
Um, I, I especially growing up in Southern California, I know what the uh, San Diego Zoo and Wild Animal Park did in terms of saving the the California condor species. Yeah, but at the same time, I also understand that a lot of animals looking at you, killer whales, really are suffering mentally in these these zoos, and I've seen large now, predatorial cats that that just pace back and forth nervously because they they have these humongous you know multi mile territories in in the world and here they're in a box that's just a couple meters by a couple meters yeah well i mean speaking of animals with mental health problems i mean the the san antonio zoo has an elephant that they can't put with other elephants because it will try to kill them yeah yeah that's not something happening in the 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 wild up north of you the waco zoo is actually pretty good but the the problem is as you walk through that zoo like it's really obvious it's built around this lake and if you go the wrong way, which we did, uh, you go from their more recent enclosures to their most early ones. And it's like taking this bizarre trip back through time, you know, and things get smaller and more cagey. And yeah, there's there's problems there, too. Like there's this uh, their bear exhibit at the Waco Zoo. There's just all these vultures that hang around in it. And I mean, like a lot of vultures uh, trying to, I guess, steal the bear's food. I don't know why, but it's it's kind of weird, you know, just seeing this bear roam around this like field of vultures. I yeah, yeah. Ultimately, a game like this really is satisfying for me because it lets me have my zoo fix without feeling guilty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I, I don't say that lightly. I, I don't mean that in a in a flippant way. Yeah, yeah I, I hear you. Like, I want to take my kids to zoos because, you know, I mean, seeing animals and understanding that there are living things out there that, you know, exist and and, and not just. Yeah. And, and not and just seeing them in books and, and on TV. Yeah. I think there's value to that. But then again, like even the best zoo, I don't know if it's great for a lot of the animals there. But then again, in some cases, because of extinction stuff, you know, the alternative is death. And I'm like, oh, this is just kind of it's kind yeah, of a crappy like, like problem said, all I'm, around. I'm very torn. And some animals don't seem to mind it at all. No. Like penguins, frankly, don't seem like particularly intelligent creatures to begin with. <laughs> And That's I love true. penguins. Make no mistake. I think they're they're really beautiful creatures. But, you know, going to SeaWorld when I was growing up, the, the penguin exhibit, they all just seemed happy and they were going about their penguin lives. And then when you watch a documentary, it looks exactly the same. There's no difference in the behavior. Yeah. But these yeah. large apex predators, they seem miserable. Yeah, I'd agree. But then again, like uh, one of the one of the mountain lions that they have at the Portland Zoo it just sort of crashes right by one of the viewing areas. And, you know, I mean, my daughter got to see that those things exist and, and mountain lions are a concern out here. You know, if, if she's hiking in the woods and she, you know, thinks one of those is around, like that is what they look like. Like, you know, back away slowly, <laughs> you, know, you know, don't run. And, uh, you know, and, but she got to see one and, and we had, it's good for her to see that, you know, those things exist and they need to be protected because, you know, they're losing territory and whatnot. But then, yeah, I don't know if it's great for them because you, especially with the big cats, you always see these little paths in their, uh, that they've worn down in their enclosure. And it's just cause they just yeah. block this route constantly. And, and, and even, and there's big ones, you know, like they have a cheetah enclosure at mine. That's huge. It's mammoth. And there's still that path because they just walk this path. Because it's still nothing compared to what they would have in the wild. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, you feel bad. So I didn't mean to bring the podcast down. Positive podcast. Planet hey, we were awesome. being positive. We were being, as much as people like to believe this, we do not live in a binary world, Jonathan. There is not no, good true. and there is not bad. There's just a lot of like shades of gray and life is complicated. And while we can try to keep things positive, positivity is meaning, to me at least, don't go on a nerdy internet dunking rant. We're presenting both sides of the issue. 
it's not even both sides. We're just saying this is complicated. These are our complicated feelings about it. I don't think I don't think that's not positive. If we were saying zoos are bad and you should feel bad about liking them, then yes, that that is a negative podcast. We were just saying we have complicated feelings because life is complicated. That is not negative. It's maybe not positive, but you know, whatever. We're not being negative. <laughs> I I don't know. I got nothing. All right. Well, let's wrap up video games and jump into RPGs. I see you've got a couple. Kind of, yeah. So, sorry, Jonathan, we're playing on a day that you can't play. I apologize. I'm on. It's to okay. With us. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm prepping a D and D game. Uh, one of uh, one of my uh, bucket list items that I've had simmering for a long time. Uh, we're we're just gonna go do strongholds and followers. I got. I've I've been very inspired by that book. I've wanted to run a more Game of Thronesy style D and D game for a really long time. Like I've had that in my head. I I know I've talked about it before, but uh, yeah, no, I'm finally pulling the trigger on that. Like I. I and I got to I got to scratch off a couple of bucket list items on me with RPGs because I've wanted to use Microscope to make a setting, which me and Gina did. Uh, I wanted to use that book, which I'm going to do. And I've wanted to run a game about nobility uh, using any system available, honestly, because there, there are a couple of good ones. I'd also recommend the, the gumshoe variant called Republic, which is free on DriveThruRPG. And uh, yeah, I've wanted to do all three of those things. And I finally am. So that will be fun. And I, oh, I've also wanted to run a sandbox game of my own creation. And I am doing that too. So that will be interesting. So my plan is I'm going to have a very sort of structured beginning, which will kind of be, for lack of a better term, the tutorial. Not so much of learning how to play because I'm it, it's freaking D&D. Everybody knows how to play D&D. But it's more like world stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And like why you should care. And then, but at some point I'm just going to turn them loose. And my plan is in general, um, I'm going to present to them two things that their characters can go do next time, but they have to pick one until they get their kingdom in order and whatnot. They're not going to have like agents or whatever that they could send out to do some of these things. It's, it's going to be up to them. And if they ignore a problem, it will become worse or somebody else will take care of it. And, you know, there, there's costs, you know, like when you're, when you're the dude in charge, you don't always have the resources to do all of the good things. So you got to kind of like pick your battles. And, and I've got a lot of ideas about that. If that makes any sense, what I just said, but I mean, but what do you think? Like, you know, forcing my players to choose to do two things that are both good (laughs) and having to like let one fester for a little bit. You turd. What? Putting that choice of two good things in front of them. How dare you? Well, it creates trauma. It makes it makes things interesting because they have to decide what they need to do. You know, like a good ruler does. Anyway, that's my my RPG stuff. Are we on are we on board games now? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think okay. Have you game. ever played a game called Dice Forge? No, I really want to. Yeah, we started playing that on the the Board Game Geek, and I need to like watch a how to video of it because I feel bad. My turns taking forever, and I just keep forgetting to do it because the kids have been home all weekend. I've heard really good stuff. I've heard it's really a long stuff. weekend, and the kids are just home all the time. Oh, it's I know. like summer. Oh, I know the kids are home and driving me crazy. You're gonna make it, buddy. You're gonna make it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're playing Dice Forge. I, I am curious. I just need, I need to watch a video on it, and I keep not doing it because I keep forgetting. What What is it about having children and not sleeping that makes your memory into Swiss cheese? Like yeah, Dr. that's Sam a Beckett? thing. Legitimate. That is a thing. Yeah. You know what I saw on the internet today? Sorry to go on a tangent here. Uh, there is a game designer. Her name, I believe, if I remember it correctly, is Tracy Hurley. Um, and she posted today this like checklist she made of like, you know, it's like daily tasks, weekly tasks, you know, and it's just like wash the dishes and, and check the milk and stuff like that. And, and I looked at that list and there's a part of my brain that's like, 
why do you need a list? Like all of that stuff is super obvious. And then there was part of it. It's like, we've almost ran out of milk three times in the last two months. I should make that list and just have it because, you know, obviously keeping that ball, that plate spit in, in my head, I, I, I don't have that anymore. It's gone. The children, the children ate that. They ate a hole in my Swiss cheese brain, Jonathan. <laughs> that is something they are quite good at. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry for the tangent. What have you been playing? I had a, a game night with a good friend of mine, and we sat down and played two co-ops and a, uh, a prepping for today's deep dive. So the two co-ops I've talked about on the show before, Black Orchestra, which I think uh, we're planning on deep diving with that, what, next, next episode? Yeah, 76, if everything goes to plan. So I won't go into too much detail. Suffice it to say, Black Orchestra holds up. Still having a great time. Cool. Pandemic Fall of Rome hit the table. It is a really, really neat spin on the pandemic formula. Oh, that's the one where it's not diseases, but it's barbarians from the north. Yeah, yeah. And you can can befriend them instead of uh, conquering them. Ah, that's funny. Which is interesting. It's a, I I really like it. It might be my favorite pandemic spinoff so far. Oh, intriguing. I like that. And then finally, um, without going into too much detail, Terrors of London hit the uh, table, but we're going to be talking about that a lot in just a little bit, won't we? Yeah, as we wear goggles and hack up our lungs because of all of the fog, totally not coal smog that's slowly killing us. Yeah, that's certainly not a thing. No, no, not a thing. Well, I'll tell you what, we will cover Terrors of London in great detail when we come back because it is now time for us to take a short break. And when we come back, it'll be time immediately for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. So, Robert, without any further ado, let's take a break. Yes, I need more lubrication for my pipes. That. Yeah. Yeah, that phrasing. Was, mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. See, and that's why you stick around for all of that poor choice of words. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should be taking a yellow card out of my shirt pocket. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like that was a yellow card. Yellow card? All right. All right. All Fair right, enough. Right. Oh, I hear my child. She's getting pissed off. All right. Uh, let's hit stop. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowds. This is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. Although, maybe we should just call it the, you know, Death Valley. <laughs> Man, this time of year, this time of year. But it's about to get interesting because we're about, uh, we're, we're ver- getting very close to our annual predictions episode. Going for the three, Pete. Really excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our plan for the, the last episode of this year. Which should hit sometime in mid-December, if I've done my maths correctly. Well, shall we? Let's. And we're going to start it with a new announcement from Z-Man Games. They have announced Marco Polo 2 in the service of the con. Uh, (laughs) I saw this. 
I saw this. Well, this is a sequel to The Voyages of Marco Polo from a couple years ago. Right, right, right. And with, that was a big hit. Got really, really, really good uh, good buzz. Uh, I believe it was a, a Kennerspiel de Yar nominee, if not the winner, right? Yeah, something like that. I just, I, I found, I thought it was funny that they did, they're doing an actual factual sequel to a game. Like they're, and I'm like, what does that mean? Does that mean they're like taking the original game and like building off of it and trying to make it like bigger? Is it going to do all the sequel tropes where, you know, there's like everything that was in the first one, but more. And well, I, was, I was reading the press release and it says that it's basically the same structure of the original game. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're using your dice as workers to activate action spaces and uh, doing all the resources and contract finishing and, and traveling and all that fun stuff. But there's at least one new resource in the game, Jade, uh, and that is a, a new to the game. And there's also, I, I guess, some market manipulation that I believe is new to the game as well. Fun. So there you go. There you go. A sequel, a, a game sequel. It's not something we see often, but not unheard of. I can't think, well, besides the Zombicides, but I can't think of any game that's done it. I don't know. It's it's strange, but I like it. It's good. Next on my list, Blizzard uh, has made an announcement regarding board games. Oh, really? Yes, they've signed a partnership with Asmodee, and the first game to come out of this uh, partnership is World of Warcraft Small World. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's actually really great dude oh yeah. okay 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 i'm looking forward to it so this writes itself because instead of having the, the the races in the descriptor you have the various world of warcraft races so orcs tarin you know god there's so many races now because they added in like the allied races you know like dark iron dwarves and dark spear trolls and all that so you have that and then you have like classes instead of like the other thing you know and so it's like paladin i that that makes that that writes itself done that's very clever. If it's not like I, I should save that for my predictions episode. I'm looking at some work in progress pictures of it. And I mean, it's blizzard art. So, you know, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I will pick this up. How did I not hear about this? This is why you have me, buddy. Dude, I called it. I called it. Yeah. They have the races here. I'm looking at, at, at production stills over on board game geek and it's like herbalist farmer called it, called it. I'm so good. I'm so very good, Jonathan. You're lucky to have me. Well, sir, I don't know if you remember, but back in 2016, I believe we covered this in one of our very, 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 very early episodes that Dungeons and Dragons got into the National Toy Hall of Fame. Yes, yes which actually is a, I think, well-earned uh, honor. Yeah, and it was in there with something bizarre, too, like crossword puzzles or something kind of fun. Yeah, that Toy Hall of Fame is crazy. Like, I think Stick was in it. Yeah. <laughs> well you can poke dead bodies with it or you can throw it and your dog can fetch it or you can poke a kid in the eye i mean come on the the uses of stick are endless joining dungeons and dragons is wizards other flagship property magic the gathering got into the toy hall of fame this year <laughs> along with what what why are you laughing oh i went to the toy hall of fame website you know what one of the 2011 inductees was? Blanket. Nice. In 2005 like saw the addition of Cardboard Box. Ah! Makes sense. Oh, man. Dungeons & Dragons was 2016, by the way. Well, what was there with it? I remember one of them was funny. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll find it. I'll work on that. 
So, uh, yes, uh, Magic the Gathering is in there along with Matchbox Cars and The Coloring Book. Yes, I, I see both of those here. Quote, Magic the Gathering changed the landscape of collectible card gaming with its introduction more than 25 years ago. And it's become part of pop culture leading to, a, <laughs> leading to book series. Wait, I'm still quoting. No, it's, Electronic games. It's not you. And even, it's not you. And even a series on Netflix. Curator Shannon Simmons said of the selection, the fact that it continues to maintain popularity is a testament to its revolutionary gameplay and consistent evolution, making it engaging for beginners and experts alike. End quote. So there you go. All right. Tell me. Tell me what's so 2016 saw the induction of Dungeons and Dragons, the Fisher Price Little People and Swing. Yeah, baby. It's so random. They, like, some of this stuff is name brand. It's very particular. And then it'll be sitting there next to something completely random. Hot Wheels next to Blanket. It's like the Diana Jones Award, man. It's all, it's all, it's everything. It's toys. 2017 saw Clue, Paper Airplane, and Wiffle Ball. Nice. I like it. All right, continue us on, Jonathan. Continue us on. <laughs> this goes back to 1998. This is... <laughs> Go to the website. You're going to lose at least 20 minutes. All right. What do we have here? What do we have here? Going back to my stories. All right. Well, we've talked about it on the show before, and I think it's uh, it's easy to identify that I am a fan of big giant monsters, and King of Tokyo is a super fun game. And this year, we are getting a new version of King of Tokyo, King of Tokyo Dark Edition. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Is this like Justice League Dark or is this? Ha- this is limited edition, one single print run only. Grittier art style, all new art, upgraded componentry. Uh, basically, they're going to try and make this a, a collectible. It's going to use standard King of Tokyo rules, um, a bunch of new uh, new stuff too. There's going to be uh, new added mechanisms and whatnot. And it will be available in March of 2020. Oh, the art styles. The art's interesting. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. So the monsters, their color palette appears to be black and white and then randomly yellow. For the energies, for the, the, the cubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the totally not Godzilla, you know, like his spikes and his you know mouth are yellow because you could breathe fire. And like the totally not King Kong has like a yellow mohawk. And yeah, no, it's cute. But like even the searchlights are like yellow. Like anything that would reasonably be yellow on this art is yellow, which I, I It's did. a neat mix of colors. Yeah, yeah. It makes it very striking. Oh, that's the box. Oh, with the two buildings. That's cute. Very cute. I like that. I'm excited. Do I need a second copy of this I game? Feel like I might. I'm going to shake up my Magic 8-Ball. Science point two. yes. I'll have to take a look Magic at that. Magic 8-Ball's in the Toy Hall of Fame. Word. Renegade Games has announced a couple new games. I like Renegade Games. Yeah, they make good stuff. They make good stuff. Agreed. The first comes from... Some of the nicest guys in the game industry uh, that I've had the pleasure of meeting, and that is Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. And this game is called Stellar. And it's a game all about using a telescope while you're building a tableau of the night sky. That is an interesting premise for Really? It's about telescoping? Yes. yes. Uh, you'll play through 11 rounds, and it looks like a, it, it is a tableau builder of sorts. And the stargazer at the end with the most points is the victor. You know, I, I remember when I was doing astronomy lab in college. Oh God, wasn't it the best? Well, okay, two things. One, actually using a telescope is actually very hard. I, I will agree with that. Uh, two, 
Uh, stars move. Well, I guess we move, but stars move really fast. Me, like if you're looking at a star, yeah, yeah, because we're yeah, moving. I, I don't know if moving. you've noticed this. Yeah, yeah, everything. We're spinning. We just keep spinning. Right round, baby. Right round. Like a record player. Right. I don't know that. Right, right round. round. I, I always thought the next line was round, round, brown cow, but I know that's no, not right. Right, right, right round, I believe. Oh, uh, okay. You spin me right round, baby. Like a brown cow. Right round. Right round. <laughs> like a record player. <laughs> like a brown cow. Um, There's no cows. No, it's right round brown cow. <laughs> this isn't how this works. This isn't how any of this works. That's like that song. There's a bathroom on the right. It's 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 legit. It's totally a thing. Uh, also, when you look at a little pinpoint of light, like a star, uh, through a telescope, it just kind of looks like a little pinpoint of light, like a star. Just it's, I guess, nominally closer, but not all that much. But looking at planets is neat. This is a creepy ass song. You know that? You spin me around like a brown cow. Yeah. If I I get to know your name, well, I could trace your private number, baby. Let's uh, let's just leave it at that. We'll just pretend it's about brown cows, and we'll stay positive. I don't want to know about creepy songs. Looking at you, Sting and the police. Oh, this song is really upsetting. They should have just called it Stalker and just had it done with. Jonathan, right, moving right along. Don't don't bring me second, down. Uh, second game that they've announced is Don't Bring Me Down. Oh, you can look those up too. That's what Bruce, Bruce right? No, that's the Electric Light Orchestra. Is it? I thought that was Moody Blues. No. Maybe they did it too. Hold on. Checking. No, you're, you're right. The Yellow. Yeah. They just kind of sounded like the Moody Blues in that one. Yeah. That's oh, not anyway, Bruce. It's Groose. Still wait, trying to Bruce? get to the second game. Okay. I'm sorry. And then the second game is Gloomy Graves. And this is a game by Jeffrey D. Allers. And this is all about being a gravekeeper. Uh, or pardon me, being a grave digger in a dark fantasy world, uh, and there's this epic battle that's happening in the background, and all these corpses are starting to pile up. Pixies, goblins, unicorns, cyclops, dragons, and you are uh, managing both a private crypt and a communal graveyard and trying to keep uh, keep the bodies at bay. I want to play this game, and for the entire duration, I want to talk like Paul Bearer! And drive all my friends insane. That's right. You'll be able to drive uh, uh, two to three of your friends insane because this is a two to four player game. Yes, excellent. I don't remember if you had a catchphrase or not. I hope not. I almost got excited because I almost thought you said Undertaker, and I almost lost it. But then I realized you said Grave Digger, and that's not the same no, thing. No, that it is Grave not. Digger was a monster truck. Undertaker was a wrestler. That's right. That's right. I got this. I got this, baby. Where, 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 where was that cross promotion? Why didn't they? I don't know. Why didn't they I don't Undertaker know. I feel like drive that was a missed the opportunity. There are a lot of missed opportunities in the '90s. That's true. So uh, this year, Dungeons and Dragons turns 45 years old. Man, that is nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what really, really makes me feel old? I own the silver anniversary box set for their 25th anniversary. And now we're at 45, and I feel old. So very, very old. Anyway, Wizards, to celebrate the 45th anniversary, the 
Sapphire Anniversary, if you catch my meaning, they're going to release the Sapphire Anniversary dice set directly from Wizards.com. They are making a limited run of 1,974 sets, which is a reference to the date that D&D got released, 1974. I like it. Uh, I like it. The D20 will have a, quote, gnome-grown sapphire embedded in it. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, but actual factual jewel in the D20. And you'll be able to buy it direct from them starting on November 21st. So 10 days from today, about two, three days from when the podcast drops. Good times. Good times. So I follow a bunch of my my old friends from the store on Kickstarter. Yeah. And there's there's one guy who if there's a dice set on on Kickstarter – he will he will back it and it and I found a lot of fun dice that way. So my friend Bobby, you like dice? Get the three hundred dollar dice. I <laughs> dare you. I double dog dare you. I miss you, Bobby. I hope you're doing good. He is a good customer. He played War Machine with us too. Oh, and, and not to forget about his brother Sammy. Hi, Sammy. I love you too. Well, that brings us to the end of our very brief news segment. And now it is, of course, time to. Put on our spectacles to the past. Do a little time travel of our own and go back one year in the life where we were debuting Forgot My Dice episode 51. Robert. Uh, this is my ma. This is my part. I say the episode Where number. were we? How? How dare you? Our, how gonna, dare you? And where were we a year ago, Robert? Forgot My Dice episode 51. Hashtag weird things I never expect my kid to do. We. <laughs> That's been constantly redefined since that episode. Let me tell you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We uh, took a deep dive into Happy Little Accidents by uh, Big G. Oh, what a great game. Yes. Long live the Bob Ross catalog of board games. I, I, I've played it. I've played it since then. Several times. A lot That's of so times. charming. I love it. Yeah, it's actually kind of gone uh, gone back on the shelf. I should take it off because it has been about six months. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll take it to Grandma and Grandpa's for Christmas. Big G Interactive. Uh, I don't know about you, Robert, but I'm ready for another Bob Ross game. I hope we get a third one in the trilogy. And that was quite the interesting episode. We talked uh, Battle Chasers. Apparently, I was playing that back then, which was yeah, fun. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've had a longing for a game like that again. I'm like, please make the sequel, Airship Syndicate. Please make the sequel. I want to play it. We talked for some reason about In the Mouth of Madness, Diablo Immortal, all sorts of stuff. Diablo Immortal's still not out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Oh, I love me some Bob Ross board games. Uh, agreed. Can I what Lincoln said to me the other day? Well, the, the, the hashtag weird things I never expected my kid to do was Lincoln was sitting on the pooper and he was singing Bohemian Rhapsody and then during the chorus just busted out into the Jurassic Park theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still got that video. Still got that video. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, you showed it to me when I visited. Oh, uh, anyway. Uh, well, the other day uh, he was going upstairs and I, just jokingly I said, uh, hey, Lincoln, don't let those monsters bite. And he said, oh, don't worry, Dad. They're not going to bite me. I'll just punch him. Punch him right in the penis. He's still saying that? That That is not a new story. Oh, not, I, I couldn't remember if I told it to you or not. It wasn't that long ago. Oh, no. No, no. Yeah, you told that. No, no that goes way back. Does it? That goes way oh. back. I know. I for, yeah. My kids do he's, weird he's crap still pun- all the time, so I don't know. He's still punching monsters in yeah. the penis. That's good yeah. on him. No, consistency. Uh, 
You know what? He is going to be a fine adult if he can, you know, maintain that level of due, due responsibility in his life. You know, wakes up, got a checklist, you know, got to do your laundry, got to pay your bills, got to go punch monsters in the penis. I mean, fair. Supernatural was on for what? 18 seasons. Uh, 15, 15. and it's still, still on. on. It's still on. Yes. This is their last season, but it's not there done yet. There you go. So, I mean, if it worked for them for that long, I mean, that's career. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know. Uh, I don't know what kind of retirement benefits demon hunting gets you, but you know, who knows? Uh, well, apparently they skim a lot of credit cards. So you probably get the good stuff cause you just throw money at the problem. Cause you don't have to feel bad about defrauding people. You're fighting, you're punching monsters in the penis. I mean, That's come on. Fair. I'm going to allow it. Well, that means it's now time for a break, Robert. Aye. When we return, Aye. we will be deep diving some new hotness uh, it was on Kickstarter recently and now it's out in the wild and I've got myself a copy of Terrors of London. Oh, Terrors London. What just happened? I've been bursting in the song. <laughs> Do you have a tabletop board game, miniature game or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for the deep dive of the evening. And uh, Robert... In the shadows of London, terrors stir. Powerful overlords conspire against one another, amassing hordes of monsters to do their bidding. Only one will claim the night, and all within as their prize. Terrors of London is a competitive deck builder with a Victorian horror theme. Each player will assume the role of an overlord, each with a unique ability and two unique influence cards. Throughout the game, players will add monsters from four different factions, beasts, mortals, spirits, and undead, all of which can form hordes for powerful combos. Players will also procure marvelous relics, which they may immediately use for their unique abilities. The first player to reduce their opponent's life to zero wins the game and claims the night. I feel like I should throw an I am Batman at the end of that. All right, Jonathan, how do you play this game? All right, well, let's go ahead and put our deck builder hats on. Is this like an extension of our of our uh, spoopy Halloween spectacular? Because we're doing a third horror theme. It kind of is. That's where my head is. That's where my mind is. Without a doubt. But we're recording in November. I mean, you know me. I always love monsters. But okay, but it's November. Yeah, but it was also my birthday, and this was my birthday. Uh, so I... Is Black Orchestra horror themed? No, no, that is... Uh, uh, okay, so we're going to round out the trilogy of terror then. Oh, I like it. I like it. That, that's, it's a movie title. So we're putting our deck builder hats on. Okay. Now, it, it should be said, uh, we're just going to talk about the base game today, but there are several of, uh, several expansions available that are uh, bolstering uh, what you'll find in the base game. But that said, the base game comes with a good variety of stuff. You are first going to choose uh, your character, and your character is going to be the leader of your merry band of terrible things. And these characters are asymmetrical. Um, some have more health than others, and they each have a distinct individualized um, superpower, most of which they can do uh, every single turn. 
So this can be uh, something on the long lines of uh, Methuselah, who can draw a card and then discard a card uh, once a turn. Once you've chosen your player, you are going to take um, a, basically a starting deck that everybody gets, and it's uh, everybody gets the same thing. You're going to have five cultists and three fanatics. The cultists are going to uh, each be worth one coin on a turn that they come up into your hand. Your hand size is five, by the way. And those coins are going to be used to buy additional cards from a common store that everybody has access to, much, much like Star Realms. Fanatics, on the other hand, give you one power for attacking. And these are um, basically going to, how, going to be how you're going to win the game. Because you are need to attack the player's monster across from you and chip away at their life until you get them down to zero, which is how you win the game. Makes sense so far? Yeah, seems easy enough. Yeah, and that's the basics of it. You're going to draw five cards off your deck. You're going to follow the instructions on the cards. And you are then going to um, basically create an engine for yourself where you're able to purchase more and more cards and thin out your deck and get rid of cards that you don't want and, most importantly, attack your opponent. Now, this all sounds very Star Realms, but this is not where this game stops because there's a couple of different mechanics layered on top of this base engine that really make this thing into its own unique beast. No pun intended. Ah, I saw what you did there. <laughs> you said beast. Yeah, yeah. The first way that this game starts to differentiate itself from other deck builders of the like uh, is that each character comes with four unique cards, and you get to only pick two of them any given game. This is going to round out your deck. You're going to start with ten cards. Five of the cultists, three of the fanatics, and your two individual cards. Of a, po- of a total possibility of four individual cards. So that means that even playing as the same character, you can create different combinations, which could really kind of swing the character in different directions, which I think is pretty cool. It's a neat way to, to add some legs to a, a deck builder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next is going to be the muster mechanic. Now, a lot, oftentimes, the, uh, the game will, on the different cards that you purchase for your deck, give you the opportunity to do what's called a muster action. That's where you put a token on your draw deck that says muster on it, and your next turn, you will get to draw however many muster tokens that you have extra on top of your baseline of five. Hey, Jonathan. Yes. The first two times you said that, my brain registered mustard. And I'm like, that's... Muster. Yeah, mustard. Yeah. I, I don't even like mustard. I'd never say mustard. <laughs> Ketchup all the way. Now, the, the other aspect of the game uh, that, that really helps to differentiate itself from other games on the market is the concept of the horde. Now, hordes behave in a pretty unique way. As you start buying cards from the general store, you'll notice that each card has a faction. And that's pretty standard, right? You've seen that in Star Realms. You've seen that in Hero Realms. You've seen that in Ascension. Now, at the bottom of the card, however, this is where we start to see some differentiation. Because there's there's going to be the symbols of other factions in the game on the bottom of your of your card. And the way you build a horde is you take a card, put it down, and then you take another card out of your hand, and if the faction of that card matches one of the symbols to the left or right side of the bottom of the first card you put down, they can link together and form a horde. And this is important because that's the only way that you can get at the secondary actions on the bottom of these cards. Every time you add a card to a horde, you can play one additional secondary action. 
So that means a horde of two cards, you're only going to get one secondary action, meaning that this game is presenting you with some, some choices that you have to make. Uh, in, in not only in how you're purchasing cards and balancing out your deck, but also in which act, uh, abilities you're choosing to activate because you're not going to be able to do them all any given turn. Now, an additional function that some of the cards have is called Haunt. And what Haunt does is it lets you put a token on top of one of the cards in your hoard, and a haunted card gets to stick around one additional turn. Generally, at the end of your turn, you wipe all the cards that you played off and put them in your discard pile. But if they have a haunt token on them, you get to keep them pre-built into your hoard for at least one additional turn. That's a cute keyword. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. Uh, Another thing that oftentimes the haunt cards will have is uh, armor. And the armor, of course, absorbs damage before it makes it to your main character, meaning that you can put up a, a bit of a defense uh, um, against your your attacking opponent. Yeah, standard. Okay. So, all makes sense so far? Yeah, yeah. One last thing that the game does to differentiate itself is the concept of relics. So, oftentimes, relics will come up in your deck, and these are cards that you can purchase and put immediately into play, unlike other cards which go into your discard pile. And the relic, you have a cap of three relics at any given time, and these can be activated, um, you know, through an action, just like everything else, and they they stick around. They're semi-permanent. You do have a cap of three, of course, which means that uh, if you you choose to buy another one, you already have three out. You're going to have to make a choice of one to scrap. And that's a, a really interesting way to create a bit of an engine that differentiates the characters even more from each other as you're playing. Well, what are some of the things that the uh, the relics do? So one example of a relic might be the Hallowed Blade. It costs you one to purchase it. You put it immediately into play. And then on your turn, you can activate that relic to gain attack power equal to the number of relics in your play area. So that could give you up to three-point boost on attacks every round. That ain't bad. Another one is the Book of the Dead. This gives you one coin and one defense inherently. Uh, And also, um, if you sacrifice on that turn, the first time you sacrifice, you gain two attack. So these can be very powerful, and they can create a very asymmetrical engine. Okay, interesting. And that's the basics of it. You're going to draw five cards. You're going to play as as many actions as you can on your turn. There's no limit to the number of times you can do any given action in the game. And you are going to try and build an engine that allows you to purchase more powerful cards and attack your opponent. The first one to wipe out the other opponent's health wins. And sorry if I missed this. What's the main currency of the game again? Is it just gold or... It's just coins. So as you're buying monsters, do some of the monsters generate coins or do you like buy new cultists or something? Yes. The the monsters that you purchase will generate coin, will generate attack, and will have a variety of different secondary actions depending on what's happening. And then you have a primary action that you can take every single time you play it, but then there's a secondary line that only gets kicked if it joins a horde and you choose to activate that, that horde power. And what are some of the horde powers? Just at, I, I, I'm trying to look at just it myself. generally... Generally speaking, attack bonuses, health bonuses, and uh, coin bonuses. I apologize. My, my old man eyes, I have to like squint at the, at the, the screen to see him from where I'm sitting. Well, it's now. interesting that you bring that up, Robert, because one of my chief problems with the game, and this isn't a problem so much uh, as it is just something that I noticed, is that they chose a very, very small font. And even with Perfect 2020 Vision, it can be very difficult to read some of the things on the cards. This is less of a problem for the text on um, actions to take during the game, but it's very much a problem with the flavor text, which this game has a lot of flavor text on the cards. And it's neat flavor text, too, so it's a pity it's not easier to read. 
If it was slightly larger, would there be, there be room for it, or is it just... Yeah, that's the weird choice. That's the weird choice. There, there would be room for it. Hmm, okay. And that is a very nitpicky thing for me to bring up, but it's something I noticed. Well, then it's not my old man eyes. It's, it, it's their problem. I'm no, not you're old. old. No, I'm not old. Yeah, you're old. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I am too. It's okay. No, it's not okay. So tell me how that rule book is. Rulebook is pretty straightforward. I was able to get through it in no time flat. I was able to read uh, to completely learn the game from a, a first reading, and we only uh, attacked it minimally as we played the game. There was a, li- a few questionable points, but we were able to locate pretty much everything. We did have to reference BGG once or twice for some very, very specific instances. But again, it, it, it's pretty darn straightforward. And once you realize what their intent is on a lot of this wording, you can figure it out yourself. Standard question: index table of contents. Neither, unfortunately, and that was that was one of, that was definitely a pain point. Is it a longer rule book, or is it? No, not at all. It's not a very long rule book at all. It's a pretty straightforward game design. So I've been looking at the Kickstarter and whatnot, and I probably should have highlighted this and written it down or copied it but i forgot to but the the guy that got to do the art the art is quite good quite yes. good okay so i i'm glad that we're switching uh to art because that's where this game more than anything else really truly shines it's got a beautiful aesthetic with a a comic style art to it that really looks phenomenal uh, across the board there's not a single image in this game that isn't gorgeous yeah, no, agreed. I all the art is uh Yeah, it's quite good. I like um I don't know if they're undead or vampires or both. There's Yeah, uh, okay. So they're one of the factions is the undead. Yeah, but are they are they zombies or are they vampires? I believe the uh vampires are part of the spirit faction. Uh okay. 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 Yeah, no, I'm just I'm seeing all these critters and I'm like, "Ooh, these are cute critters. Are there werewolves? Are you sad?" There are werewolves oh, okay. and I played as the werewolf. Oh, uh, okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> well now we know how, why you like this game so much it, 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 it doesn't have anything to do with anything it's just that it has werewolves that's not an automatic love but it helps if they were viking werewolves on sailboats would that be your trifecta i believe that might give me a heart attack of happiness somebody make that faction for some game somewhere i'm just saying the core game comes with four characters that you can choose uh fenris the alpha wolf uh, lilith the relentless champion she's the the human faction uh, the werewolves are part of the beast faction. The uh, Chancellor of Death, Methuselah, he's part of the undead faction. And finally, Azazel, the Master of Evil, who is part of the spirit faction. And does not look a darn thing like Tim Curry in Legend. Definitely not. No. Not even remotely the exact same looking with a palette swap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not Definitely not that exact thing that I just said. So how many players have you played the set? Uh, well, it's a two-player game. I don't know if the expansions change that, but this is uh, definitely a two-player game, uh, just like Star Realms, just like Ascension. So then you would say the sweet spot for this two-player game is two players? Yeah, apparently my buddy was telling me that there is a one-player mode available. Now, I don't know if that's part of the expansions and I don't have it or that he got it through the Kickstarter, but my rulebook does not have a single-player mode in it. it. Yeah, it's probably got an alternate deck or something. I, I could see that being expansion fodder. Yeah, unfortunately, I did not see this Kickstarter when it was out and about, uh, or else I would have totally hopped on board. Um, so I have the retail version. But uh, the the expansions are readily available uh, online uh, at the uh, the company's website, Colossal Games. 
and they're the guys that make Western Legends, and I fully plan on purchasing both expansions. They're very reasonably priced. 15 bucks for one, 20, or 10 bucks for the other. And I think that with the asymmetrical play and adding a couple more heroes to this, I think that this game is going to have plenty of legs that, that games like uh, Star Realms don't have. Not unless you get a bunch of the expansions. <laughs> and that's really where this game shines. So if we look at deck builders and how they've kind of grown over the years, Ascension, fine game, wonderful game, really kicked the door open for the whole genre of deck builder. But ultimately, my biggest issue with Ascension is that it got very samey very quick. And that was just a function of it was a new game design and it was the first of its kind, right? Star Realms kind of fixed that. And then as Star Realms has aged, they've continuously pumped out expansions for it, adding lots of different levels of gameplay. But if you strip it down to the core game, the core game is 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 kind of samey as well. It suffers from from that same issue. It really needs the, the expansions to kind of fly again. Um, Terrors of London is great because with those added levels of you know intriguing gameplay that this game has there's more of a puzzle at play when you're picking the cards that you're going to purchase and certainly more of a puzzle at play on how you play those cards especially because you can't play all of the secondary effects you have to be very choosy as to which secondary uh, secondary effects you're going to play based on how you can construct hordes and that's really going to depend on on the mix of cards that you purchase and that's something that I saw my opponent in one of the games uh, run into. He stacked very heavy on one particular faction, and he could not build hordes. And that led to me, by the end of the game, doing massive 10 to 15 point uh, damage wallops, and him not being able to do a darn thing to me because he was so stacked that he couldn't build a horde and couldn't access those secondary functions. All right, Jonathan, is there any one last thing you want us to know about this game? Man, this game's a looker. It is so pretty with all the art. It just looks phenomenal. It's got classic deck-building gameplay, and then it's added a couple of new ideas on top of it that really give it depth and variety, which I think it needs. It's not never going to be a heavy game. It's never going to be a heavy Euro. But what it is, is it's a deck-builder with a couple of additional layers of meat and a couple of different la- uh, additional layers of variety that really help it get legs and separated out from a very crowded marketplace. It's a special game. It's fun. And if you like that Victorian England monster genre, then you're going to be in heaven because this game looks so beautiful. The art is so good. All right. Well, that is Terrors of London from Colossal Games, spelled with a K, because Colossal Games with a C is an app company. I just found that out. There you go. There you go. Fortunately, they are both safe for work. <laughs> that could have ended poorly. That could have ended poorly. But it did not, which is fine. I am so ecstatically happy about that, Jonathan. I cannot possibly tell you. You know this game's like twenty bucks new? Uh yeah, I was just on the website, I'm aware. I'm just saying that you should maybe look into it because I think you'd like it. Uh oh. Okay. Next time I am out at the game store, I will see if they have it. I mean, it's at only 20 bucks. Like it's a steal. Or I will put that list on the list for free RPG day. When I go out, man, this game deserves like an RPG built around it. It's a neat world. (laughs) I want to know how all these factions came about and how they're warring with each other. I really do. (laughs) Nice. Well, 
that brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Robert, that's 75 in the books. We are officially in the countdown to the end of year four, episode 100. Okay, well, we're not because we typically do between... Well, one year we did 19 episodes in a year, but then this past year we did 24. So it's not actually year four. Just saying. Just for that, we're going to do 26 episodes this year, and I'm going to punch you in the gooch. I don't know how we'll do that, because usually we take a week off for Christmas, and then usually we miss for various reasons. I'll figure something out. I'll figure something out. Although, Or we miss a week for various reasons, just because... That's actually what gets us more than anything. I, I I don't think we like skipped an episode. I think we had to delay an episode twice, which we cannot do anymore because I'm playing a D&D game and I do not want to be editing the same week I'm prepping for my D&D game. It will not happen. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Not hope. I can't say never. No, that will. Is a thing. No, we'll just we'll just skip. We'll just have to skip. Life uh, finds a way. That's it. That's it. That's the end of my my uh, Jeff Goldblum impersonation. <laughs> that's all I got. I go a lot more with Christopher Walken, but that's uh, that's it for Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Fair enough. Ah, oh, man, my nose is starting to explode. Once again, we ask that you join us on all of our digital domains. We'd love to hear from you, uh, especially if you've played Towers of London or want to join in the conversations that uh, we discussed earlier in the episode. Which brings us to our final, final, final portion of the show, Robert. Any final thoughts? No, Jonathan. I just got snot in my nose. I'm I'm done. That's snot a problem, Robert. I'll mucus you later? I've never been good at puns. No, that was really... That, no, you just made that worse. That Now it's just awkward. <laughs> awkward you us? You could really say that you made a sticky situation. <laughs> I'll phlegm you later? Oh, I think it's time for us to blow on out of here. <laughs> Put a little buggy in your step there, Robert. Oh, God, it's just not getting any better. How do you do that? I've never been good at that. I don't know what's wrong with me. Dying. Well, this puts us two weeks closer to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 3, when we will all be able to go to the theater and be excellent to one another. That's true. And party on. Party on, Jonathan. Party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. Party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan? Party on, Robert. On Burgundy? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in a couple weeks with episode 76. Oh, yeah, I think our countdown actually starts with 76, not this one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the next episode is going to be where we're in the the, the descent. Oh, so we've, like... So this is the top. Of- this is it. This is the finish line at 75. So from this point on, it's, it's, we're there. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, I got confused. Man, you need to go with, like, pop some pseudephedrin and call it a day. I may do that. I may squirt steroids up my nose. Now it's a party. It is a party now. <laughs> stuff on the recording it's just going down up agreed the music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elithiel additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon thank you <laughs>